Rated boobies. <laughs> oh, all them fatty foods have finally caught up with Ryan. Oh, uh, <laughs> if only he had taken the time to exercise. Oh, Ryan, you're fine. That one passed. Jeez, that was, that was like passing. little wine will put out that fire. <laughs> passing a cornet through my aorta. <laughs> oh man, I'm okay now. I'm okay. But it now. was lubed up with a uh, 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 fruit roll-ups, right? <laughs> yeah, and all that. Lard I've been eating by the spoonful. Uh, welcome to Hex Rated Boobies. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Whedon. I'm one of your other hosts, Matthew Fisher. And uh, this is a podcast by two guys who used to date, and now they don't. Now they talk about scurry movies. <laughs> this is the last scurry movie of our scurry season. That is true. That is true. It went by too fast. It did. Yeah. In and out. <laughs> Four movies just doesn't really seem like enough, you know? No, like, I like... We we had that one Schlocktober where there was five Mondays. Yeah, can you imagine? And uh, sounds luxurious. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that was more our speed. Yeah, you've been peppering in horror movies throughout the year, and I think I might start doing that a little more too because I've got a glut of them. I keep wanting to be like, oh, I'll save this for Schlocktober, and then it's like now I'm doing shit I don't even have planned. <laughs> so is that true? Well, today's movie, for example. <laughs> You weren't sitting on Repo the Genetic Opera for, for, for months and months waiting for the perfect time? I mean, I had it. It was a way back burner, but I, I, I it moved to the front of the line when you're like, I love your shit musicals. <laughs> so Well, you, you can extinguish that torch for a little while. <laughs> okay. So, Ryan, real quick, before we get into things, you're, yeah. you're, you're a trusted advisor to me. You're a consigliere. Oh, okay. Um, You've called me your older, uglier brother. <laughs> Well, I mean, two of those things are true. <laughs> no, uh, I I, I want to know what you would do in a hypothetical situation. Okay. okay All right. So okay. Uh, l- l- let me paint the picture for you. L- let me immerse you in the mindset. And then I want you to let me know what you would do. <sighs> Deep breaths. I'm ready. All right. So busy day ahead of you the, uh, uh, those stacks of wax aren't gonna melt themselves oh like, my you, god you, you got a full day ahead of you you're already running late Fuck. uh you had a, a dentist appointment in the morning ran long and then you got a big day ahead of you at, at the office happens. yeah oh man so you're on your way to the office you're trying to get there you're biking along on the sidewalk and you come across a hurt bird <gasps> on the sidewalk in like a driveway okay okay and you stop, you get off, you look at it. It's clearly still alive, breathing labored, uh, not responding to how close you are getting to it, oh, though. That's not good. Mm-hmm. What do you do? How big is this bird? Sparrow-sized. I could fit it in the palm of my hand? You could, yes. Well, both hands, yeah. Yeah. How is it laying on the sidewalk? On its side? On its belly? Uh, sort of crooked, like upright on its two feet but off to the side with one wing out splayed oh yeah that, that doesn't sound good is it making noise at all it is not um does it look frightened well it's breathing really heavily with its beak open oh that's probably not good but it doesn't respond to your closeness proximity wise if i'm running late for work i would probably just look at it and say Oh, that's sad. And move on. Okay. But if I had time, okay. I would approach the bird. And do what? Well, that's... Here's the tough part. I'd show up. I'd, I'd come over closer to the bird. And I'd sort of assess its situation a little more. I'd probably reach out to it. See if it responds to that. Boy, I don't know. I think I'd still have to just... Let's say you touched its wing that was splayed and it did nothing. Ugh. <sighs> I'd like to think that I would, A, take it to a vet, uh-huh. or B, take it home and put it in a shoebox and nurse it to health myself, <laughs> or C, grab a what cinder block and put it out of its misery. What sort of garden children's novel are you living in? You missed C, where I would 
uh, find a cinder block and put it out of, out of its misery. Okay. But um, I think I would still probably what be like... What old yeller children's novel <laughs> are you living in? I think I would still just say, you know, bird, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're on your own. Which wow. I'm, I hate, but that's an honest answer. So, Okay. Why? So what you, happened you, when you, you when this happened to you? <laughs> so you just leave it there. Just, just so the audience is clearer. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Honestly, that's an honest answer. Okay. Like I said, in, in in an ideal world, I take it with me. Uh-huh. And I tape up its its wing with some popsicle sticks and some ace bandages. Uh-huh. And I feed it um, worms that I've chewed up. You've regurgitated yourself yep. and baby birded this yeah. bird. Yep. Okay. And then uh, it flies away. And then eventually, like, I, I throw you it off. Release it back into the wild yeah. from whence it came. Yeah. And if then, you love something, set it free. And then it... It shows up periodically at my window with a, like a, a sprig of holly or something. I don't know. It's like a gift. <laughs> holly? I don't know. Well, you saw right through my little charade, Ryan. <laughs> yes, this did happen to me. I knew it. Uh, as I mentioned to you off pod, last Thursday was a stressful one. Most notably because last Friday was the uh, extension deadline for filing your taxes and I hadn't filed mine yet. Oof. Uh, or last Thursday. Um, so like after a busy day at work, I had to rush home and file my taxes. But one of those things involved me running from a client's house to the office, and en route, I found a little bird right in the the driveway portion of a sidewalk, and it was just how I described it. It was this little yellow sparrow-sized thing, gray and black mostly, but with a yellow tip tail feathers. Oh, no. Um, Pygmy mud hatch. (laughs) And I was looking at it, and I scooted my foot up to it to see if it would move or react in any way. And I basically touched it, its wing feather, and it didn't do anything. Oh, no. And I seriously, I looked down at this bird and was just like, how much? Because like, I had like so much to do that day at work. Like, I had numerous deadlines. Uh, and then my own personal deadlines. And I, I looked down at this bird, and I'm like, how much do I want to involve myself in this bird's life? Yeah, like, yeah, that's a question you have to ask yourself. Yeah, and you know, I thought to myself, what would Hillary Clinton do in this situation? <laughs> and it's like while I'm like mulling this over, someone else comes by and she goes, "Oh, I can't get involved. I'm too sympathetic to animals. I I can't get involved." And she just like runs off. And you're like, "Damn it! I was depending I was like, on you." So close, <laughs> Hillary. Why are you leaving me now? <laughs> and it was Hillary Clinton. <laughs> So I called the nearest vet. I called up Urban Animal here on the hill. Okay. And asked, I was like, if I were to bring this in, is this something that you would care for? And they go, no. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what are my options from here? And they're like, well, you can leave it or you can call animal control. I was like, okay, please give me the the number to animal control. Called animal control. A very nice sounding gentleman answered the phone. Uh, he told me that if I box it up and put it someplace safe, that they'll send out an officer who's going to come retrieve it and they will do what they can to get it back up to normal health okay so then i have to run home (laughs) find a box run back hoping that the bird is still okay Mm -hmm. uh so i have this box bird still right where i left it still breathing hard one wing out and i start trying to scoop it into the box and it scuttles a little bit and then flies off oh uh, and I was like, God damn it, you couldn't do that when I touched you with my shoe? It was just resting. So I called back animal control and said that the bird flew away. And they said that sometimes if a bird like runs into a window, mm-hmm. it needs like 10 minutes to recuperate. Yeah. That it gets like dizzy and it's, it's zonked out a little bit and that it collects itself and then will fly off. You'll notice that I called animal control back to let them know that the bird was okay. <laughs> wow. Good for you. This whole thing is just to, to paint the picture that I'm a better human being than you. And that yeah, I have, you just wanted to shame me. Yeah, I get it. I got more sympathy than, than your default position. Even even in a hypothetical sense, you're not as sympathetic no. as I am. No. I think I mentioned on the Force Majeure episode that uh, I think of myself as a hero. But um, when I was uh, at a Paramore's house, when like some fireworks went off near the window, rather than throw myself in front of them <laughs> to save them, I ran to the bathroom <laughs> to hide in the toilet in the sink no in the bathtub bathtub. yeah so um i think we know what kind of person i am (laughs) yeah so i do feel for the bird yeah i just i'm late for work 
Yeah, and like that's how I seriously I was just like how like it's a little bird. And I also like ran through I was like if a cat was was well doing yeah. something to the bird like if it, if it was obvious that like the a cat had caught the bird and like the, then the cat had run off when I walked by part of me was like well that's just nature. Mother nature's like drew a number and this bird's number came up. So that's just it, it's cat food now. Yeah. But yeah, I just uh when I looked down at it, I was like, I, I can't. I was like, the amount of bad I would feel leaving the bird here would stick with me. Whereas if I had to explain to a client that I missed a deadline because I was nursing a bird, I was like, I can live with that heat. There you go. Well, you made the right choice. Bird, if you're listening. <laughs> we'd love to hear Our from Patreon you. Patreon <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, we're not even. Oh, so here now you're showing your true colors. I just want to hear from them and hear their side of the story. And you're like, "Hey, bird, give us money." Okay, now who's the bad guy? <laughs> Patreon.com/slash. Oh yeah, you gotta finish it. Well, anyway, speaking of that, <laughs> that we've reached a milestone on our Patreon. Did we now? We did, yeah. I set a goal that if we hit 10 Patreons, which we're now calling extras, if we got 10 extras, that uh, I would make a full episode about a movie, like just for patrons. And um, we crossed that milestone today. This recording date, we crossed that milestone. Uh, yeah so there's a poll up right now it's already started so there might be some votes there so don't be surprised if you sign up to be a patron to get in on this poll and uh, you find there's votes there already but um we've got three movies three big 90 staples that we're doing and i don't want to i'm not going to say it here i've spoiled it on the uh on the patron episode already but oh, um, so if you want to even know what the choices are they have to 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 you know finger rubbing motion mm-hmm. yeah so uh they're good though and they're movies we talk about all the time so yeah they're movies that we reference pretty frequently right but uh but yeah we're gonna do a full episode with drops and i may even make like special music for it. i don't know like i just i really want to make this a special thing so um if you want to decide what that is you better get in on our patron action now and you can decide and then you can listen to it when it comes out so yeah just saying you know it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. I thought this would go on longer. <laughs> so, Matt, Patreon is a great way to support the podcast, and it's a way that we get money. And you know, some people may consider that a uh, unconventional way to make funds. Uh, another, by working for a living? Well, specifically by 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 getting pa- patrons mm. on on a website mm. to give you money. And another way that some people might consider unconventional about getting money is uh, to be a ship salvage crew. Oh, boy, you really salvaged that pivot there. <laughs> I kind of went around the town. <laughs> I, took like, I took like four rights instead of a left. But um, uh, I believe we did four starbirds. Hey. I guess this is my way of saying that today's movie is about salvage operations. Is that what today's episode is about? That's what I got out of it. I I feel like... Well, our movie is... Our movie. (laughs) Today's episode... You're taking ownership, too. This is yours, too. Today's episode is, is... Basically, a short segue into Ryan's fascination with abandoned barges. That's right. We're talking about 2002's Ghost Ship. So, Matt. Ryan. Did you like the movie? Well, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing that I don't even... It's not even the worst thing we've done for Schlocktober. Yeah. Um, It... I was surprised how like much I, I was ready to fully hate it, but I was like, you know, not that bad. 
Well, it, it lacked a certain finesse. Okay. A certain je ne sais quoi, if you will. I'm not, I'm not going to argue it's good. I'll, I'll just put that out there. Well, it. I mean, it's definitely bad. You don't have to make the argument that it's good. It's just, it's, it's, it's definitely bad. It's just in, in what degrees is it bad? And this is firmly in the competently made, inoffensive, totally forgettable bad region. Yeah, yeah. Like I watched this movie one and a half times, and I'm I need all the notes that I've taken on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the its biggest offense is that there's nothing there. Like nothing. Well, it it, it does have Gabriel Byrne playing Shock, an Irish stereotype named Murphy. What 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 what? It kind of makes me feel that like the studio system was trying to like feel out. They're like, "You know what? I sense that there's an action movie star Irish we got to feel this one out. Let's just, let's start putting Irish people. And it's like, they were the, the, the studio system was like intuiting that like Liam Neeson would be a big action star, but they, they couldn't like solidify the name. So like, well, Gabriel Byrne, let's put him in a horror movie. Let's He's see Irish. What, yeah. yeah. Let's see what this does. Get him in there. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a turd. He's a total turd in this movie. <laughs> Prison has destroyed the way you talk. If that's what it takes to impress these guys around here, then they are not your friends. And he he has all He's the most. Wasted. It's like this is our second Gabriel Byrne movie. We did Miller's Crossing way way back that's in the day. Right, yeah. But he's just like all the typical like bargeman stereotypes. You talk to me, you talk to my crew. That's the way it is. Can you imagine him getting the script and being like, "Oh yeah, role of a lifetime." I can really sink my teeth into this. I get to work for the Christopher Beck. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Last week you said you were going to watch 13 Ghosts. I did well. not after watching oh. this. I was like, yeah, I can pull the brakes on this one for you a got, little you bit. You got enough Christopher Beck in, under your belt? Yeah. Okay. Don't forget, we've got Juliana Margolis in here. Yeah. As a uh, uh, obligatory woman who, while tough enough to be elevated to status of man, is still wearing the least amount of clothes. <laughs> I, you know, she, to me, just doesn't have that it that star quality yeah because she's we're never gonna do a double feature on juliana margolis i think she's a good actress and i always think like when i whenever i see her in a movie i'm always like oh yeah she's doing a great job but like she's got no magnetism for me there's nothing about her that makes me be like sit up and like i can't wait to see what she's gonna say next and it's like it's not her fault it's just it's a thing you have or you don't can you imagine if this movie was recast with joan cusack instead of julian i mean hello (laughs) or just be a totally different movie uh more logically, Gina Gershon could actually probably do this sure, role. Sure, yeah. Gina Gershon's got the the tough butch factor that 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 you need. The, in that. This the, the 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 yeah that this barge woman salvager would need. Like we could all buy Gina Gershon doing sure, that. Sure, yeah. Why not? Uh, or, or like a, a can you imagine like a, an, an Angelica Houston actually in the role of Gabriel Byrne like she's a oh. real old she's like she's been on the seas for a long time like, I would 100% watch a gender role reversal of this movie that'd be fun that'd Angelica be fun. Houston in the Gabriel Byrne role Joan Cusack no no, no Gina Gershon Gina, Gina Gershon uh-huh. in the Julie well no because that has to be played by a dude I guess if we're doing gender role reversal okay well let's put um so the uh, uh, Carl Urban character that's Gina Gershon there we go Joan Cusack play whatever that blonde fuck's name is yeah yeah let's stack this with our ladies yeah uh whew, we haven't done any women of color yet uh Isaiah Washington would have to be played by Janelle Monet. okay so <laughs> done done deal <laughs> so then we just need to find a dude if there are any in Hollywood uh let's just get someone pretty who are some of the boys that you'd like from that uh uh you know, that Maze Runner series that you're so fascinated with. Ansel Elgort? <laughs> oh, is that him in there? No, he's not. Oh. In <laughs> we'll put my crush in, in that role. Tyler Posey, currently. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I guess while we're talking about the cast, the dude who, like, drives the boat, the small boat. The one that listens to Mudvayne while steering the ship? Yes. I'm in love. 
Really? He was so handsome. Well, he and was apparently, cute. Apparently, but... he's like a he's either Australian or New Zealand actor, and he was in like some gay movie from the late '90s, which I am. As soon as 100%. I read that, I was like, I'm, "I gotta see this, whatever it is." I don't know. Um, so I'll I'll come back. Do I'll... you remember the name of it? Um, okay, give me a minute. Alexandros Dimitriadis. Oh, he's Greek. I guess so. The movie that everyone talked about that he was in is called Loaded. Ooh, sounds gay and sexy. I know. Uh, the only thing, when I went on his Wikipedia page, the thing is, is that like there's a whole section called DJ. And would you like to know <laughs> oh. his DJ name? Oh, no. It's DJ Boogie Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'll admit is a bit of a boner shrinker. It's not great. I'm sure it sounds great in his native Greek. <laughs> like, can you imagine him being like, "Hey, like you're you're into this guy. You meet him. He's like, oh, I'm actually DJing tonight. Yeah, here's a flyer, and he hands it to you, and you're like, which one are you? And he's like, that's me. I'm DJ Boogie Monster. <laughs> you're like, oh, might as well just be DJ Boner Killer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a letdown, to be honest. Like, it real, it was a real, like, gut punch when I came across it. I was like, oh, never mind. But I don't know. He's so... I'm, ugh, I was like... Every time he was on screen, I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Hello, ghost shit. Yeah, you're at full mast? Yeah. Hey! I like that. I'm gonna clean up the poop deck. <laughs> swab it real good. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, so okay, Matt. By the way, I I was almost ready to love this movie in the beginning a little bit, just because not right away because it starts off with this horrible like forties. I thought music. I was watching the wrong movie. Yeah, it's odd, and like the font makes it seem like the Love Boat or yeah. something, and you're like, fuck. I forgot to rent the Scarecrow when I was there the other day, so I bought it on amazon okay and every now and again like there'll be two movies with the same name oh yeah and so i was concerned that i looked up the wrong ghost ship in order to to purchase it because yeah it was like this pink pastel font saying ghost ship it looked like something out of like the marvelous mrs mazel yeah (laughs) and i was really concerned i was like what did i buy it's dumb i hate it tbh but it's showing all this like setup and then eventually there's like this really great like mass kill that happens yeah so i i do have questions on this but actually i was kind of here for the movie Mm. in this opening yeah me too there was some odd things so there's like the little girl playing with like the weird word rubik's cube whatever the fuck that was uh and she spells out i'm bored with it and she shows it to like some steward and the look that he gives her is like oh you're bored you want to go fuck like (laughs) i don't know it was just like oh okay well let's uh let's cure that boredom little girl yeah i don't don't know there was something it was a come hither stare i guess Mm -hmm. is what i'm trying to say oh it was like that's sort of odd well right after that i have the note that the captain who ends up asking her is like would you like to dance i was like is this Captain a pedo? Like, what's happening here? Like, I'm a little uncomfortable with this situation. You know, pedophiles didn't exist until 1971, Ryan. Oh, so we're safe because yeah. this is there. This is also in the 60s or 50s or something. Exactly, exactly. This oh, is okay. just a good, upstanding older gentleman who likes to spend his time doting upon preteen lonely girls. little girls. Yeah, bored little girls. Right. Yeah. Um. We should call them underage women, really. Because <laughs> that's all they are. Yeah. You know, the Roy Moore variety. Yeah. In the extended version of Ghost Ship, there's actually a shot of the captain just like licking his lips and like wringing his hands. Like, mm, I can't wait to ask her to dance later. <laughs> they cut that. So, yeah, probably rightfully so. Yeah, it's gross. Um, I'm not entirely sure of the mechanics at hand oh, in I, this. I'm not either. And like, I at first I was like, "This is so stupid," but 
I don't know. The result is worth it. Yeah, it, it was stupid, but it was also kind of cool enough that, like, you're willing to look past the stupid. Yeah. So there's some sort of wire cable or something, like, I don't even know what, that loosens or, or tightens or breaks or snaps. It seems like it's weighted or something, yeah, and, like, somebody comes in, and spoiler alert, we find out who it is later, but, like, it snaps... And when it does, it tightens really fast. Like, is it is it connected to, like, the anchor or something? Like, I don't understand It must what... be. Something super heavy. And so, like, it snaps and it goes across the dance floor. Right. Where all the passengers are dancing. I'm A assuming... good amount of them, anyway, yeah. Yeah, it, it, like, almost all of them. And it, like, cuts all of them in half. Not all in the same spot like you'd think. <sighs> problematic but um like some people it cuts at the waist some people it cuts at the chest some people it cuts at the head head, yeah even though like its final resting point is pretty firmly waist height yeah and also that girl's taller than everybody's waist but she doesn't get cut yeah because like the captain got it at the head right or like the upper no he was head yeah yeah he was head so like you can't can't don't look, think too hard yeah, about it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it falls apart even with like the slightest inquiry. But uh, the effect that they were going for, I'm on board with. It's good. Yeah, there's like that one lady who gets cut in half and she's laying on, and it's like it reminded me of that episode of South Park when Butters like has the tap dancing accident and like knocks the lights down and like everybody dies and like oh. it's cut in half and stuff and like that person's trying to like scoop their guts back in yeah and it's like yeah. oh that happens in this and like this woman's like grabbing for her bottom half yeah like that kind of stuff i'm like oh this is nasty and honestly that i i, I was like is this secretly a good movie <laughs> like did ryan choose this to be like hilarious and then like i'm gonna walk away being like that was a, a like a grade a gruesome surprising horror movie no no that was it that was it no that's like the first 10 minutes seven minutes yeah if i'm being generous of the movie and then it's like womp womp thankfully it's short it's only like 90 minutes so yeah longest 90 minutes of my life though i've never had so much trouble concentrating on a movie for this podcast well i'm gonna tell you this matt i think this is actually a really good fit for this specific schlocktoberfest because i think a it's uh good to have a movie that takes place on a boat after we just did a movie that takes place on a train Mm. and then you can use that toot toot (laughs) drop for both oh i'm gonna use it but also in dementia 13 episode you were talking about how drive-in fair yeah like the movie doesn't need to make sense it's all about just like you bring somebody there so you can make out with them sure and like this strikes me as another one of those movies where it's like hey you want to go see a scary movie and you go and like you don't even need to really watch it you just like get your friend there and it's like ew you see the cut and then it's like let's make out and then you make out for a while and then ever so often a scare comes in yeah because like when they get to the uh, titular ghost ship an ocean liner where did that come from they do that thing where they're I don't think they say let's split up, but they all split up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And so many shots of them just quietly looking around this old rusty boat with a flashlight, no words, not even looking at anything interesting, just no. like rusty pipes and pools of water. And it's like the the teams that they split up into, and I'm like, are they trying to make a horror movie? It's like, okay, you two young men, Blondie and Carl Urban, <laughs> you are team one. Uh, Juliana Margolis, you're tough enough that, that that you could be construed as a man. You're team two. <laughs> and because black people never die in horror movies, Isaiah Washington, you're team three. Yeah, like, yeah. And like that, I'm like, they don't split <laughs> into actual teams. Like, two of them are together, and then the rest of them are all by themselves. I'm like, who thought of splitting it up this way? And even though I watched this portion of the movie twice, I still am confused as to how they decided to split up in this fashion. Doesn't matter. It's so that... 
the ghost girl can talk to Juliana Margolis alone and other people can have freaky moments themselves on the ghost ship. I guess. I just, if I was in charge of this rowdy bunch of seamen, I probably would have kept them in groups of two. Uh, and I probably would have put Juliana Margolis with like one other guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just uh, felt a little illogical to me because yeah. they were talking about how like, you know, boats this old rust can turn to quicksand. And then Carl Urban falls through. Yeah. Second Carl Urban movie, by the way. Uh, what was the other one we did? Uh, Dread. Oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. Um, Having recently rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, I forgot that he also does things that aren't that. When did you rewatch those? Oh, I don't know. August. Okay. We just talked about a lot of stuff. I figured you would have brought that up. Sorry. Those are insignificant movies to rewatch. COVID's a weird time, Matt. <laughs> Carl Urban. Yes, he's in Lord of the Rings. He's in Judge Dredd, and he's in Ghost Ship. He's in Dredd. Not That's, Judge Dredd. I'll edit it so I just said Dredd, and now you're going to seem like a fool. <laughs> I always forget how long he's been acting for, because I only like really noticed him in the first Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's weird to see him pre-Bones. Yeah. And he's fine in this movie. When he yeah. falls through that floor, you can tell that he's like, okay, here's my moment. He's like... <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't think it called for that reaction necessarily, but like he's given it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. good for Carl for showing up, I suppose. <laughs> and I, I think it's right around that point that I really struggled to pay attention to the movie after this. Let's just give a quick plot synopsis. Uh, so before they even like go looking for this ship, they're like celebrating this ridiculous um, salvage of some, mm-hmm. some other thing. That's how you know they're, they're boat salvagers. Uh-huh. And then uh, somebody comes up to him and is like, hey, I saw this boat, but I need help getting it. Da, 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 da. Some aged twink comes up to them. It's and- so boring. Um, and then finally they're like, because you're like, I know they're going to do this. And eventually they do. And they're out looking for it. And eventually the boat finds them. And they even say like, a cruise ship? What's that doing here? <laughs> so they board it. And some spooky stuff happens. And while they're looking around, they discover some uh, gold bars. And they're like, oh, well. Oh, yeah. Why weren't those gold bars covered with rat feces, by the way? They, yeah. they pry open one of those boxes, and it's, like, filled with rats, like, live rats. I'm like, hey, there's no food for the rats to eat. Like, how long have they been in there? Because this thing is, like, otherwise, like, a solid chest. And if they were in there for any amount of time, 10 minutes or more, those gold bars would just be riddled with feces. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's like they shoo the rats out, and then there's these pristine gold bars. I'm like, those gold bars should be covered with shit. Well, they seem like they're enchanted or haunted gold bars or something. So well, They must be. And, I like, I don't know if it was my, my trouble staying attentive to this movie or if this movie just ends up making no sense. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to jump too far to the end, but it's like, you know, there are survivors. I won't say who survives, but... Well, I'll bet you can get. <laughs> but the the survivor sees the same chest being loaded onto a new boat. Right. And I was just very confused because it's not like the boat was haunted. It was the bars of gold that were haunted i think that's it yeah i think that's it so wherever these gold bars reside that vessel is then haunted yeah that's the one that needs to have the souls for the aged twink to bring back to hell yeah and he can only do that if the boat's full yeah because they they blow up the ghost ship spoiler alert they sure do they and blow like, it up real good. And like a bunch of souls come out of it. Yeah, you, you're on the, you're right. So like those souls didn't go to hell. They were just in sort of some sort of purgatory. Mm-hmm. Where they were like stuck on the boat as souls. I suppose. Like waiting for the boat to reach maximum capacity. 
And for the 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 fire inspector to be like, you're there, you can go to hell now. Yeah, it actually makes me wonder now, you'd think that the souls on the boat would be doing their best to help the devil guy collect souls. Well, that just rushes their trip to hell. Oh, is that where they were going? I thought they would. Well, where else would they go? I don't know. Here's the thing. Uh, I read that originally the script was, and when like all these actors signed on, the script was going to be a psychological thriller where it turned out all of this was going on in their minds because they'd been at sea for oh too long. Oh my God. That, that is the most like early 2000s twist. I know. But I like that better than like supernatural devil man <laughs> trying to collect souls. Like as soon as he started explaining everything when like we get that whole flashback with with juliana margolis and the little girl and it's like oh it's this man and he's he's killed everybody and he's doing well, it for souls and da, da, da. yeah like, see i was confused yawn. by that because it made it seem like the original boat where like the wire cut everyone in half was being like robbed by like pirates or terrorists you know sort of like the somali right like, I am the captain now yeah, sort of situation. that's what they make it seem like, yeah. But, like, it's not that. It ends with the gold being haunted? Yeah, something about that, because, like, the ship, when Gabriel Byrne is talking to the captain of the ship, he's like, we collected this gold, and then after that, shit happened. Yeah. So it sounds like, yeah, there's something about the gold being haunted. But it's like, in that flashback, though, why, why was there even a flashback, I guess, is what I'm asking, like, or... Why did the flashback make it seem like these pirates or whatever were somehow responsible for everyone being cut in half on the dance floor? Like, because the, they want you. They, I think that's just like a set piece in a mystery. Like it sets up like, oh, someone cut these people in half. But they must have gotten the pirates off. I don't think there were ever pirates on this ship. I think it was just like haunted because of the gold and the uh, aged twink is like somehow attached to this gold. But like the, the, the flashback has the girl and she's like looking at it. It's like the same captain as before, but if the captain's alive, when these people are like trying to rob the ship, that means that they must've done something to get these pirates off the ship because afterwards they get cut in half by that wire. The captain finds a ghost ship, collects the gold, brings it onto his ship, and then that's when that ship gets haunted and everybody dies. But, like, the way that I was watching it, it looked like somebody was invading that cruise ship. Only because they brought the gold aboard. But what happened to those people who invaded the ship? Uh, I, th- I guess those were souls that the aged twink brought along with him i don't know that i don't know (laughs) well yeah i'm just confused because like there's no resolution it's like it looks like pirates invaded that cruise ship but we know that the people on that cruise ship died because the wire cut them in half also poisoned and shot in a pool (laughs) so like if there was pirates that invaded the ship they must have gotten the pirates off somehow no, I thought that the the uh, devil dude killed everybody, including his crew that he used to get the um, souls he got. Anyway, I thought he just killed everybody. Which but is like, dumb. why would they be dancing if there was pirates on the ship? Well, they didn't know they were pirates. They all thought they were just crew. Because the singer lady is like in the opening scene is making eyes with like the waiter who's serving the poison soup to people. Oh. So it's like everybody's okay. We're like we're killing them. Right? Wink, wink. Okay, yeah, I guess if the whole crew was mutinous. No, these were, they somehow, like, integrated. I don't know. Were they possessed? No, I don't, well, maybe, I don't know. There's no evidence of that, though. <laughs> really? The, the, the maritime law investigation didn't turn up any foul play? Someone needs to call Cherith Cute Story. <laughs> That's an interesting name. Is it? This movie made a ton of money, by the way. No. Yeah. Budget, $20 million. You want to take a guess as the box office? box office? Um, I would be shocked if this pulled in more than $60 million. $68.3 million. <sighs> so I'm shocked, but not that <laughs> shocked. 
it made back three times what it cost to make. I don't count any hit in a post Matrix world for less than a hundred million. Okay. Did you see the two producers? Names that you should recognize on uh, this? Joel Silver and Robert Zemeckis. Ba-bang! Yes, I did. <laughs> Joel Butts and Seat Silver and Robert Bump the Lamp Zemeckis. Bump uh, <laughs> the It took me a minute. I now understand what you're okay, talking okay, about. Thank you. And there is like some CGI magic going on here that I thought was very unimpressive. <laughs> yeah. To be honest. Well, I mean, let's be real here. It's not like Bobby Z was actually producing it. He just. He's like, oh, you want to make a ghost ship movie? <laughs> yeah. Here's five million. Go. He's like, that sounds like sixty-eight point mm, <laughs> two or three million. I could make some money off of that. Wait, Joel Silver's attached. Here's uh, another million. Yeah. I'm like, well, Joel Silver's attached. I'll just. I got fifty grand on it. Anyway, I don't. They set this movie up to be a sequel, like to have sequels, and I'm just like, who is asking for the sequel to this movie? <laughs> But I didn't pick this movie to talk about the movie, Matt. You didn't. This 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 movie, we were forced to watch 90 minutes of Ghost Ship as a prelude to your uh, PowerPoint presentation on actual ghost ships. <laughs> this is my TED Talk. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. My name is Ryan Whedon. You're not doing the proper TED Talk hand motions. And today, I'm here to talk about... I was going to say, you got to hold the orb. <laughs> things... That frightened me. Offer the sandwich. <laughs> okay. When I was discussing what I was going to do for Slocktoberfest, at one point you mentioned, like, why don't you just do like you did that one time with the packed episode, which I love. My favorite episode of this podcast, I think you said. Um, I wish you would do more episodes like the packed. Uh, I worship at your feet because you did that episode. Something along those I was lines. I say, <laughs> the, the first sentence you said didn't sound like me at all, but... Uh... The rest of it does. Yeah, now now, now I remember. Okay, yeah, something like that. So um, I was like, okay, Matt, God, stop kissing my feet. I get it. So I Long-time decided- <laughs> listeners might remember that, that Ryan chose this really scary movie called The Pact that I like. he sold it as if it was a really scary movie, and I'm watching it at home perplexed that there must be something more to the movie than what I'm seeing because the movie was garbage well and the thing was is that like it had a real life thing in it that that frightens me and when i was listening to the episode that we recorded i was home alone at night just the sound of the podcast was going and you were talking about people living in other people's houses with the the owners unawares yeah and it was so creepy listening to you talk about it that i got super creeped out it had nothing to do with the movie (laughs) you talking about these incidents was way scarier than anything in that movie so my memory's not solid enough to recall me asking you to do that again but we're good friends here i'll take your word for it so we're gonna this podcast is now gonna take a a hard turn a port (laughs) And uh, I'm going to talk about some real-life ghost ships, Matt. Okay. If you look on the Wikipedia website for ghost ship, they have a whole section about, like, legendary ghost ships, like the Flying Dutchman and things like that. Mm. Not interested in that. They have a whole section after that on historical, like, actually recorded ghost ships. Real quick, though, Flying Dutchman was the opera I saw at Seattle Opera before I walked to Pony to go see you, DJ. <gasps> Holy shit. So, full circle. Full circle. Oh, my God. That's real creepy. And we did an opera movie this time. Yeah. <gasps> and it gave me dementia. Um, <laughs> let me let me just paint a picture for you. Okay. Mm. In, in this movie, there's a line that Gabriel Byrne actually says that's... Maritime history is full of Mary Celeste's. Don't know if you caught that. Doesn't matter if you did or not. Mary Celeste. My Bro- ears perked up anytime they said maritime law. So, <laughs> oh, it happens a lot. Yeah, it does. Um, but um, Mary Celeste is probably the most famous uh, ghost ship. It happened in 1872, and it was a ship that was going from like somewhere in New England to um, somewhere in in Italy, G- Genoa, I think. They were going to take a journey across the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, yeah. And um, there was a ship that was taking the same route as them, and it left like five or six days later or something like that. And somewhere around the Azores, which are outside of Portugal, they see the Mary Celeste. 
but it's moving weirdly and a bunch of its sails are tattered and they're like okay this is something's going on and so um they get over to it and they find that like it's completely abandoned there's nobody on the boat but everything seems to be in order they're just like what the hell but maritime law says that if you bring a ship into port uh you get to get like salvage so when they bring that up in this movie, I was like, that stands up. That's real. <laughs> um, when they brought the Mary Celeste in, they had to go through like a whole court hearing and stuff. You have to like, there's like a, a deposition about it. Okay. Um, like you have to, they question like everybody on the crew. And then like, um, there's like a whole ordeal with the Mary Celeste where they were like, they thought that like maybe the crew of this other ship killed everybody on there and then brought it in. It was like, oh, look what we found. It was just out there. I was going to say, that's definitely what I would do. Yeah, because you're a scoundrel. Well, it's like, I know, it's just like, hey, I saved that bird. (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing is that, like, the captain was very experienced. He had brought his wife and his uh, child on the ship with him. So it's like, even if he had experienced squalls, like, it feels like they wouldn't abandon the ship. Like, Pardon? Squalls? Sudden ocean storms that are windy? Okay. So... In order to get the Mary Celeste into port, the captain of this other boat, which is called the Del Gratia or Del Gratia, he's like, all right, we got to split our crew in half. And that means half of you have to go over on this boat and we'll keep half over here and then we'll, we'll pilot into shore. And I don't know about you, but if I was on the Del Gratia and he's like, hey, do you want to go over to this uh, empty abandoned ship to pilot it back into port so we can get some money? I'd be like, fuck no. (laughs) Especially in 18, what was this? 1872. I'd be like, "Mm -mm, that ship is haunted as fuck. And I am not going over there. Uh, Yeah. I seem to recall when I invited you to my uh, uh, God niece's quinceanera, Uh you were like, fuck no, that place is haunted. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but anyway, that's a famous one. So that's a big deal. Mary Celeste. It's mentioned in this movie. So did you look up that ship? It was like a, uh, I think it was off the coast of Australia. There was like a party liner and, uh, some people on a sailboat, like a couple, uh, man and woman, they had like just lost a child and they were, <laughs> they're sailing along and, uh. They f- right, their their child had just been like rocketed out of a the front window, and <laughs> right. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I looked that up, and it turns out that was just dead calm. Oh. The movie we did. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and the reason this doesn't dead calm doesn't quite fit in this because it's like dead calm. While it it's spooky to see a ship that's like all weird. Um, but if you radio over and you see a person on it, that's not scary. Mm-hmm. But I think what really like makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up is like, imagine you're out on the ocean, you're traveling along and you see a boat. And so you're like, oh, well, protocol says we radio over, you radio over, you get no response. So you're like, well, that's weird. You get closer up and you realize like, oh, her sails are tattered she's rusted she looks like she's been through a beating i don't know something about it's like abandoned warehouses are scary but imagine like a, an abandoned warehouse on the ocean that's like floating around well isn't that sort of uh what uh event horizon is sort of like or even sunshine really it's like they receive a signal from a ship and when they try and hail it back there's no response so it's like they determine that the signal they've received is just like an automated one and so they feel compelled to go investigate this you know potentially unmanned spacecraft yeah yeah like okay so there's this other book called the ss bakimo i'm guessing b-a-c-h-i-m-o that was abandoned along the alaska coast up in the bering sea in 1931 and its last sighting was in 1969. So it got caught in ice and the crew got off and they're like, we'll come back to this later. And it broke free the next day. And they're like, fuck. And it's just been floating. It just like floated around for 40 years. Whoa. With several sightings in that time period, like up to 12, I think is what they counted for sure. And it's just like, can you imagine like 
for me being like in Alaska on the coast of Alaska and you just, or like out on a boat somewhere out there and you see this, you see the ship and you're just like, Oh yeah, that's the, that's so the wait, whatever. And it's been out there for 12, 20, 30 years. Did they ever bring it in? No. So it's still out there technically could be, or it sank. We don't know. But like they're at least forty years. The la- like from the time they abandoned it to its last sighting was forty years. Wow! So from the time you were born to roughly now, yeah. Obviously, ghost ships don't creep you out the way the same way they creep me out. But like, I just think of like I I think of like seeing something like that, and then like the idea of like boat salvage people being like, well, let's go see if we can steer this. Like boarding something like that. Imagine boarding something that's just been floating at sea for thirty years. Well. To me, I think what what's stopping it from being super scary is that I think putting it on a boat makes it a little too abstract for me. Oh. Like, I haven't been on enough boats in my life to make it relatable. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I have, like, been in a house that, like, no one's lived in for, like, 15 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, that's super creepy because, like, you walk through it and you can sort of, like, feel the memories, like, a little bit, like... You can sense that, like, oh, someone did live here at some point. Or just, like, any old abandoned building. I remember uh, when I was in junior high, they were tearing down my uh, elementary school, my old elementary school. They would built another one up right next to it, and the old one had been unused for, like, two or three years or something before they were going to, like, finally, like, tear it down, tear it down. And I remember walking through it and, like, it was very strange. Like you remember in children of men when they go to that elementary school yeah. and like, it's like overgrown because no one's been in it. Yeah. And it's like, that's sort of what it was like. Cause it's like walking through it. A lot of like the walls were already torn down. So it's like the main hallways were like intact to a certain extent. But if you went into a classroom, like the, the wall were like a window that would like face outside were already torn down. And, desks were tipped over but there was still like old books and like there was like still chalk on the chalkboard like there was still like equipment in there like i remember like going through like my elementary school and like it was super creepy even though that only been abandoned like i I don't even want to say abandoned but like it's like closed yeah closed to the public for like two to three years like we snuck in at night like the the week before that it was going to be finally demolished and it was very eerie. Like, we snuck into the old gymnasium. Um, and it was just, it was super eerie because it's like, you know, you're used to your gym being, like, very brightly lit with fl- fluorescent lights and things like that. And, like, we went at dusk at summer. So Ugh. it was, like, all, like, gray-blue in yeah, there. Yeah. And, like, we started going through, like, you know, the the office where only, like, the, the PE teacher was allowed to go. We started, like, there was, like old random files and things like that and old gym equipment and like deflated balls and like and old like uh, uh fluorescent light bulbs that we threw because they pop really loud when they break and so like that i can all contextualize but there's something about it being on a boat that like kind of just takes it one step out of like what i can like reasonably sympathize with see for some reason the boat makes it even creepier to me because it's just out there moving around floating on you know to the whims of the sea and like you just stumble across it and you're like hello is anybody there and then you show up and there's nothing there i think for me because like buildings and establishments play into my fear of small towns whereas like a cruise liner that's been abandoned not so much well no no these some of these are small boats like the the last one the the Alaska one I talked about was like a freighter so like that's like a warehouse a floating warehouse, but um there's one like the Kaz two which was floating around Australia three it's a, a little catamaran three mm. people were on it and when it was discovered it was everything was in order the laptop was open and it was still like showing stuff and um it was basically like it's like a crime scene a floating crime scene. See that that's actually creepier to me than, than some of the other ones that just because like having the laptop open, like that's a big signal that like someone like intended to come back. Yeah. Like whatever drew this person away, they didn't intend to be gone for very yeah. long. That one, uh, they believe the 
to the best of their knowledge is that like one person fell overboard, one person jumped in to save them. And uh, then there was like a, a sailboat thing where like the, the things moved really fast and knocked the last one overboard. Oh, uh, uh, purple noon style. Yeah. All right. Well, let me tell you one last tale. I was gonna say, do any of your 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 yarns involve the Bermuda Triangle? That's what I've been waiting for. Well, this one takes place in the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. This one starts in 1885, and returning to Philadelphia with a full load of lumber from Brunswick, Georgia, this ship was rammed by another boat off the coast of Cape Hatteras, wherever that is. The captain removed his crew and abandoned the vessel. The ship and cargo were left to the mercy of the sea. I'm literally just reading Wikipedia. (laughs) The captain's concern for the safety of his men was appropriate. However, the ship proved itself to be more seaworthy than expected. Oh my God. After the collision... The ghost ship was sighted on both sides of the Atlantic over the next two years. So it's just crossing back and forth. Weird. <laughs> it finally came ashore in Ireland where its cargo was salvaged and it was employed as a fishing vessel. <laughs> and the name of the ship is the 21 Friends <laughs> because 21 Quakers built the ship. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's a nice ending. It's not quite the, the, the uh, uh, terror boat you thought I was going no, to No, no, I was trying to end on a happy note. Oh, okay. Because I'd spooked you so much with all the other tales oh, okay. of scary ghost ships, which you were terrified by. I, I can tell. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Matt, that closes out Schlocktoberfest. What do we got coming up next week? Well, next week, I don't know if you know this, Ryan, but there's an election going on this year. What? Yeah. I know, you're not very political. No, I want to do something a little little on the nose, something a little timely, perhaps. Okay. I want to do a political movie. (gasps) That's not like us. Actually, I'm trying to think of another political movie we've done. Z? Yeah, probably. Okay. And that was that was many moons ago. Yeah. And this is going to be a, a breaking of the hymen of a new director, too. Oh we don't my. do that much these days for big-name directors. Well, we don't have many hymens to break anymore. <laughs> now, next week, we'll be doing an Oliver Stone movie. Oh! Uh, we'll be doing Our Nixon. F- <gasps> Never seen it. Um, I saw it a long, long time ago, but it just it kind of seemed a little apt for the moment. I don't like Nixon. I'll just say it right now. <laughs> controversial i think he's a bad man i'm sure we'll get into it next week okay. with our guest <gasps> guest one travis vote <gasps> vote 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 oh my god voting is power yeah one of his favorite movies of all time is nixon oh so i invited him to to, to come on and talk about it with us excellent love that guy he's hilarious he is hilarious yeah cool 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 yeah, All so right. next week, Oliver Stone's Nixon. Apt and uh, frightening in its own way, I suppose. With Travis Vote. Yeah, sounds good. Well, let's uh, let's plug our junk and get the fuck out of here. On the sort of topic of coin, in case we didn't ram it home at the top of the episode. We didn't jam it down your throat enough. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movies. Everybody's doing it. All the cool kids are doing it. Just, you do it too. We've got lots of bonus content and some real special bonus content coming up because now we have 10 extras and that's when you make something special uh failing that you can always leave us love wherever you get this podcast we recently got a new one on chartable (gasps) what's that it ranks our placing in various apple podcast charts across like europe right on uh but someone put a five-star review uh, the tag was Insightful Movie Talk, and it said, Thoughtful chat that smartly unpacks indie, art house, schlock, and offbeat movies chosen with an eye on originality. From hard art 
Tarkovsky's The Sacrifice, anyone? To, well, a Muppet movie. Hey! A deserved Linthig Pen Medal recipient. Well! I read that thing like eight times earlier today, because I was like, this one is clearly from someone who listens to the podcast. That's very special. Thank you. It's from Yes, I Really Am This Tall via Apple Podcast Australia. <gasps> oh, Australia? From down under they are. <laughs> oh, wait, we're not supposed to make fun of Australians anymore. That's uh, not Australian. That was terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, anonymous reviewer. Yeah. That was. Yeah, leave some reviews. It's free and it really helps uh, get other people to listen to the show. And then uh, other ways to show us love, you can uh, email us at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, xratedmovies. And Facebook, at ratedxmovies. Uh, anyway, until next week, when yeah. we chat with Travis Vote about Nixon. Keep preaching for that rainbow. Rainbow.